if you have intellectual property related people like graphic designers, writers or photographers working for you, make sure you get written mm -hmm. on a piece of paper somewhere that you own it and you own not only the property, but you own the rights to use it. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact, quick-to-read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal-clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Intellectual property is becoming a greater and greater issue for e-commerce operators. And in today's podcast, we're going to dive into this important topic. I know it might sound boring, but there's fun stories to be told. There's important <laughs> concepts. And Michael has outlined a great eight-point uh, tip sheet and areas for action that every e-commerce operator needs to hear about and understand. Just jot these down and uh, you'll be well on your way to understanding intellectual property issues for your e-commerce business. Michael, are you ready to jump into this fun topic? Absolutely, yes. As you say, IP can sometimes be uh, an area like any legal thing that you feel like, A, it's boring, uh, just like mm -hmm. accounting. A, it's boring and B, uh, it's complicated. And yeah, sure, it might be a little bit of both, but I would say one of the reasons I want to bring it up is because defending your business, as we've got a whole mini series we're doing, right? Defending your time is probably the number one thing that I've seen people not doing in the, especially in the early stages. So we talked about that, but defending your intellectual property rights is one of the biggest neglected areas I see with people who otherwise work incredibly hard to develop beautiful products, wonderful images. Even sometimes they have their financials in order, but they haven't got their intellectual property defense in order. Mm -hmm. And that's, I believe, a huge mistake. I've seen this before as well in my consultancy and in people we've worked with. And somehow it's almost out of sight, out of mind. Yes. Some people <laughs> have thought maybe this doesn't apply to me. I just sell a million and a half dollars of, of Mattel products or like whatever it is, or Hasbro toy products or Legos or whatever. I don't need to care about intellectual property, those kinds of you know comments. And I'm over-exaggerating, but you get the idea. I think sometimes people can think I'm too small an operator to, for this to matter. Yeah. until it matters and then Indeed. you realize oh yes. <laughs> i'm not too small an operator yeah you're absolutely yeah. right I, I guess people assume that it's something big corporations need to worry about and we it doesn't apply to us but you just mentioned some brand names and mm -hmm. that's part of a brand is not just a marketing thing it's it is a marketing thing and it's a legal mm -hmm. thing and that's the point hasbro and lego would not be the powerful brands they are if they didn't defend the intellectual property because somebody else would be selling their products mm -hmm. and calling them lego or something mm -hmm. like that so lego with two l's or something mm -hmm. dodgy and therefore they wouldn't be powerful brands and the other one to to say is the flip side of that if you're reselling products of course those people have a very valuable brand name mm -hmm. and they are vigorous so if you think that you can fly under the radar sadly i think you're mistaken and i think you put your finger on it we, we think oh we're too small this isn't going to apply to me that is absolutely not true and if you sell on amazon you're utterly in the crosshairs for intellectual property issues whether you like it or not you have to grasp the nettle i think 
Absolutely. Okay, so I've got some intro questions here for you, but do you want to make any other kind of preparatory comments before we kick things off or you want to jump right into it? Yeah, just one comment, which is on the one hand, it doesn't seem pleasant to deal with it. On the other hand, if you defend your business or make it more defensible, and this is the general topic we've talked about before, and you've talked about it in your businesses, the nine moats of defensibility and all the rest of it, you have a more valuable property, which means A, you can sleep at night because your cash flow is more secure. And B, if you sell it to somebody, they're more likely to buy it and pay a higher price. So there's a very big upside to sorting out intellectual property. And the other thing I would say is, uh, so it's not all just downside, it's opportunity as well. If other people don't do it and you do, your business is more valuable. And the second thing is, it's not as hard as it seems. You just need to, A, understand the basic concepts, which hopefully we can get some across today if they're not familiar, and B, just get a good lawyer that's you know human and you can work with, isn't just speak mm. legalese, understand your situation as an e-commerce operator. Yeah, and we should point out right from the top, we're not attorneys, Absolutely. and we don't want to play one on YouTube or yep. anything like that, but we are consultants and have worked in our own right in our intellectual property issues inside our businesses and have worked through these processes. So with that said, let's jump into it. I think this is probably a conversation where we can talk about <laughs> offense and defense in soccer terms or football terms or whatever. So as you think about defending yourself or your business rights, what are the threats against which you think you need to defend yourself? Are there any that are top of mind? Yeah, there are three. Uh, let, let me give you the general in this wrapped in the specific, if you like. So copyright uh, is a general area of intellectual property law. And specifically where I see that happening a lot in the world I operate in is mostly uh, Amazon centric, although not exclusively. And I know you're slightly you know, broader in your approach, mm -hmm. your own business and Shopify. But copyright infringements on Amazon is a really huge thing. And by the way, it's quite easy to fall into if you're really naive and you're selling Hasbro toys or something and you start copying somebody else's images you can very quickly fall foul of that as well. So that's the first type of thing. So copyright infringement, particularly mm -hmm. on Amazon, but mm -hmm. that applies to anyone across the net. Second one is design patent infringement. In other words, the design of your actual product is copied absolutely, you know, not mm -hmm. bolt by bolt, as it were, by the Chinese factories. They're very good at doing that, but obviously that's a huge problem for you. Two more. The third, the trademark in issue is less of... Uh, less of an issue you don't normally if you've got a small business see somebody copying your exact trademark name mm -hmm. but if you don't have a trademark you can't be brand registered and that weakens your defense in on amazon and indeed elsewhere and then the last one is spurious or unfounded allegations against you by competitors on all three grounds that can apply to anyone on any platform but particularly on amazon people accusing mm -hmm. you of intellectual property rights what happens is it's a shoot first explain later system so they'll take amazon will take your listings down yeah and then you have to defend it so you need to be really ready for that moment unfortunately i have ridiculous and funny examples of in all of these areas would do you want me to tell stories today Please, or yeah let's, let's have some stories because we're going to make humanize intellectual property <laughs> the funniest one that was so instructive to me i think i've said this on a prior podcast but it was one time okay so my wife does design work and we name each of her designs it's for fashion and miniature and so she'll come up with something that's called the malibu libby outfit or the outback thing or whatever and uh, so she does like european designs japanese like uh, harajuku and on so anyway she has an outback collection and one of the so we always try to find a name like from the outback or whatever australian stuff and uh, so she she had this one called boomer it falls we look on the map and we were like, what place in Australia could we call this outfit? So she had like a Boomerit Falls dress and Boomerit Falls, B-O-O-M-E-R-I-T, Boomerit, just some place on the map we saw. So anyway, so we sold that on, I think it was on eBay originally as auctions and then patterns came out and you know, it's been probably a decade of 
kind of being familiar with that name. We had no intellectual property claim to it or anything. We just used it. So I got a a, uh, chat first and then a phone call with a guy from Australia. And he was demanding, he was demanding that we cease and desist using that name in any of our uh, marketing because he had purchased the domain name Boomerit dot com and he wanted to create an it company for boomers like baby boomers but it so boomer it and somehow he thought because he bought the domain name he could try to get me to i i don't even know how he thought i could somehow stop using stuff that we had done photos of and uh, we had used for a decade. It was all over the internet. It was on Pinterest probably like thousands and thousands of times. But his mind was so muddled with what was like what the laws were that he thought he could just tell me to stop using a phrase like that. And I said to him with respect, I tried to be as respectful as possible. Dude, it doesn't work that way. Like nothing you're describing works in the way in which you think it works. So I can't unwind the clock and not use this. And actually, as I published it originally, I do have copyright claim for the term. So I'm sorry, but I can't do what you're asking me to. And to be completely honest, you probably need to get an attorney on your side to understand how this stuff works. And so that was just always so comical to me because it was just a reminder that Sometimes if we think we know what we're doing, but we really don't. And I knew what I was doing on my side. He didn't know what he was doing on his side. It can create comedy and just stress and drama. And he was so agitated. He he wanted somehow Google search engine results pages to dominate just for him with his pages. And anyway, it was that's just a ridiculous story. But there you go. That's one as it relates to understanding how some of this works and the areas in which you have to understand things. So yeah, interesting. There's a few interesting reflections. I mean, the first thing is understanding what's going on means you don't panic. It, as you didn't, you just yeah. had a laugh because you understood the, the yeah. basics of intellectual property law. Yeah, you might have consulted an attorney. Yeah. But the second thing is, I guess that it's possible that somebody might have had a legitimate claim. So one thing I would say is if you're going to uh, pick a place on the map, just yeah. a couple of things. First of all, do your homework. Just have a quick Google at least and preferably yeah. search through the intellectual yeah. uh, property trademark databases before you choose the sound name. Sure, the other sure. thing is place names are tricky to defend us as trademarks because Mm -hmm. they are not necessarily exclusive to your brand and that's one thing that if you create something like mike's marvelous widgets because you sell widgets well that could just apply to anything that's kind of hard to defend as well a couple of other things is this person didn't understand the concept of intellectual property classes that if he was trying to create Mm -hmm. an intellectual Mm -hmm. uh, what do you call it some kind of uh, software Mm -hmm. and you're selling doors closed they're not in the same situation so it's quite interesting that a few things came out of that actually yeah what was interesting to me was i had no interest in defending the intellectual property i didn't treat it really like defendable ip i just treated it like a name of a an idea it wasn't a big deal to me but it was obviously a big deal to him Uh and so that was the funny part so yeah i think it's important to understand these areas trademark is one. Copyright is a different one. And patent is the third one that you mentioned. Okay, so let's keep going. What are the most common types of attacks you've seen or challenges, trauma, drama that you've seen come up for (laughs) operators? Well, sadly, there are so many ways it can happen, actually. One thing, for example, just to touch on your story, that, okay, if I were the Australian chap and I did actually have some kind of 
wish to sell dolls clothes patterns or something like that and use boomer it falls there is an implied there's a uh, trademark is interesting because you have implied rights to a trademark through mm-hmm. usage through common law systems that would be the usa uk for example i don't know australian legal system as well as registered trademarks so just because the fact that you haven't registered your trademark mm-hmm. would not necessarily mean that guy had the rights to start using that name so that's one thing to be aware of and this is why a good quick google search before you create a in your case an individual product line or an entire brand name is really useful idea and if if necessary do some more thorough research because if somebody's been out there training on a name then that can be a problem so that's one area i see but really i think that the ones i've outlined uh, copyright infringement on amazon is huge people copying your listing wholesale all the words all the images and everything you say about the product except i guess for the reviews because they're not under their control so just unpack that for a moment for people mm-hmm. who maybe aren't Amazon sellers or don't understand what <clears throat> copyright infringement implies by that. So what you're saying mm-hmm. is if you have a listing that you created on Amazon that you have images and text put into to build a listing, if someone straight copies those photos and uploads them in the text and creates a new listing on Amazon, they've clearly violated your copyright by c- using your images in your words. Is that what you're That's expressing? Right. Yeah. Yes, they have. Because basically there's an implicit ownership of a copyright for the person mm-hmm. who creates the uh, form of words yeah. or yeah. the exact images. So you can't yeah. copyright an idea, by the way. So if they copyrighted your idea for a product and the rough idea of the words, you can't get after them. But yeah. if they've used the exact same words or images, they can. And yeah. the nice thing about copyright is, first of all, you can register it in the USA and the D- DMCA system. We don't have, as far as I know, a comparable system in the UK or EU. But even if you haven't got it registered, it's implicit by the fact that you created it by the way a little nuance there is that if you have intellectual property related people like graphic designers writers or photographers working for you make sure you get written Mm -hmm. on a piece of paper somewhere that you own it and you own not only the property but you own the rights to use it that's Mm -hmm. effectively a license but it's a little side note so that means it's not that hard to go after these people and bring them take them down because that's a lot less complex than patent law or even trademark that you can just say okay they this is exactly the same photograph as we've yeah. used and you can use that as a lever to, to kick people off uh, who are copying you yeah i think the important idea here is that, that just for people who are new to the topics and again we're not attorneys we don't yeah, definitely pretend not. to play one but just the basic understanding is people have in the olden days pre-internet assume that copyright meant that the publication was somehow formally documented through a publisher or some kind of written, send yourself a letter and have those words on it or stupid (laughs) stuff like that. But it's somehow publicly yours to own. In the internet age, the same idea applies, but now it's basically, in a way, it's like first usage. It's the right of first usage in a way. And if you publish like on a blog post, you have copyright, you have published, it's out there publicly. And so I think people get tripped up as, oh, this wasn't official. It was just on a blog. Yeah. No, that's official. And again, I'm not an attorney, but the best I understand when it's out there in cyberspace, it's under original, you know, kind of creation. It's, there's a claim there. The other thing that I think people get befuddled by is just this this idea of and it's almost like plagiarism is in grade school. Did you copy sentences? <laughs> yeah. No, I changed a word. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's almost stuff like that that's the basis for the stuff. And but so I think it's important to just approach these things with 
you have to put in your mind, what is honest and integrity-driven approach to this that I can take? Do I see somebody's thing and do I literally knock it off or am I trying to knock it off? Am I trying to copy it? All of those things are great areas that turn to black and that are problematic. And the best thing you can possibly do is when you see somebody else zig in a beautiful, amazing, wonderful, successful way, zag. Don't (laughs) zig with their zig. You know what I'm saying? Don't (laughs) try to be as close to them. Play off of them completely oppositely. And so I think it's important just how we approach this stuff is you don't want to be a copycat. Yeah, I agree. You just don't. It's not even a good sales strategy or marketing strategy, maybe for the short term, maybe in a confused market for a a short term opportunity, something that's a fad or something. But for the long term and for quality brand and marketing and uh, business building, you just don't want to be a a copier of other people's work. And that's really what the heart of the the issues are related to copyright um, issues. Yeah. That's true. And and also across intellectual property generally, really, it's stealing somebody else's work that they've yeah. given the form of a product, a patent, the form of a an identity, trademark, or the form of words or images, so copyright. And to your point, and, and I think this is a critical point you just made, I just want to hammer this home, the idea that IP is separate from and boring compared with marketing is a myth because really it comes down to uniqueness of identity. So create mm-hmm. something unique, don't copy, absolutely right, because then you, mm-hmm. the, the flip side of, of defending your own intellectual property is being vulnerable to other people making allegations that you've yeah. stolen theirs. Mm-hmm. And if they're right, then you're really up, up the creek without the paddle. So mm-hmm. yes, never copy, but also create something original and then defend it very vigorously. So we better get to yeah. our, our list seven, I feel like, because we've we've <laughs> advertised that. Uh, we ought to give some, I've put what I've called action areas. So in other words, you're yeah. going to need to sit down. The first action area is, as you, you put this in, Jason, you're right. First of all, know mm-hmm. the basics. And be responsible, but don't try and play your own lawyer. So learn the basics so that when you speak to an IP lawyer, you, you're into the flow of the conversation. You understand the basic concepts they're talking about and um, then get them to explain the nuance and the gray areas, as you say, when there's gray turn to black. <coughs> I'm sorry. My recommendation to a couple of guys that I know very well, Robert Wright of Council in the Cloud, who really specializes in intellectual property for private label and custom product sellers, particularly on Amazon and CJ Rosenbaum of Amazon Sellers Lawyer. So they have an Amazon-centric air, as e-commerce does, but they would also be useful people, at least as a starting point, to discuss for e-commerce more more generally, even if you sell on your own site as well. Yeah, I think this one is really important to understand. You're responsible for the intellectual property management in your business, and that's the bottom line of it all. Like, you can't abdicate responsibility to whoever... You, it's on you from day one. And I see a lot of people who come into the marketplaces, especially like Etsy or marketplace where you know, it's a handcrafted area or something like that. And they feel like they get a pass or they just don't even know, oh, oh I can't make coasters and uh, cups and uh, t-shirts and, or I can't do this or that. And they almost have a, like, it's, this doesn't apply to me type approach. And that's just not reality. The reality is it doesn't matter how small an e-commerce operation you're setting up. You're the one who's responsible. And if you don't understand the rules of the road, start watching YouTube videos and uh, as a first step and understand what are the basics. And this podcast, we're outlining the basic concepts. Google each one and learn what they mean, how they apply to your specific business situation. And then to your point, yeah, Michael, I think getting an IP attorney, sorry to repeat everything you were just saying, but I think getting an IP attorney is important. You can just Google in your area, intellectual property attorney, Philadelphia, intellectual property attorney, Seattle. 
that kind of thing and find an IP attorney, which is different, of course, ambulance chasing, like, you know, <laughs> attorney or somebody who does different type of corporate practice or whatever. So you want to find the right person and they're there. They're obvi- obviously, they're all out there on the internet ready to work with you um, and answer your questions. And I think that's the very first area of action every business owner should be in. And uh, before, before you even have problems or challenges, yeah. think it through, understand it, and you'll be off to the races in terms of really understanding how best to operate professionally in this way. So there you go. That's the first one. What's the second one? Um, the second one is defending your copyright. We've already talked about this, but the, the reason to start with it is because you don't necessarily have to register it, although it's a good plan if you do. And that's true for quite a lot of intellectual property. This is not a legalist, you know, professional view, but mm-hmm. my understanding from talking to lawyers and, and doing this stuff and seeing my clients is a lot of the time you can have a twin track, which is keep track of what you do yourself and actions you take because that kind of produces some kind of documentation that you have the rights of things, but also register everything you can whenever possible with every official body that's relevant. So if you're selling in the USA or indeed, if you're based in the USA, I would do it anyway, register with a DMCA guys. Copyright is great because it's straightforward. When somebody copies an exact photo, it's quite easy in some ways to, to prove that it's an exact copy. Exact copies of words is even easier. Of course, it's very obvious to anyone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is the, a great way to do it. You can file it yourself. You can get somebody else to do it. Just go to copyright.gov. The DMC. In the US, yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. in the US. And it could be very quick and easy and cheap way to get intellectual property protection. And given the prevalence of people trying to just copy, even now in a naive way, it defends you against a big percentage of the attacks you're going to get. So it's a beautifully simple, cheap, and straightforward thing compared to some of the other forms. Yeah, a couple thoughts on this one. Obviously, if you're operating in the marketplaces that are controlled by professionals, <laughs> then it's easy uh, because you can, of course, use the marketplace system to report violators or let people in the marketplace know that someone's copied your work. And so that's simple enough. And we do this frequently. The bigger challenge is honestly when you have a international inappropriate use of your IP and that's outside of basically any marketplace that you can control. I guess what I'm saying is if you see something on eBay that's a straight copy of your photos and your copywriting or something like that, you can just you can report that on eBay. But if you see other use cases in China or other places, it, it, it does become harder. We have this happen frequently where we have our intellectual used inappropriately and it's outside our jurisdiction of our attorney. There's no real um, means for resolution, sadly. And so we work through this a lot, but I think the basics is to understand if someone's doing something wrong to you, you do have mechanisms by which you can defend yourself. The second step, if it's not in a marketplace and it is some kind of American or, or European operator who's doing the violating, is you can have an attorney send them a boilerplate letter that's not difficult to have created that basically says to that person, we see what you're doing. We have copyright for this content. Please stop. And, and then at, at least it's like a shot across the bow from a big, it, it, it lets them know that they're not operating underneath anybody's radar. And generally speaking, that'll go a long way to clipping off uh, things. Now, beyond that, you can defend yourself legally in court, and there's a process by which to do that. And I will s- say this, because I've looked into this, because I've been nose to nose with bigger brands than me, the way this works is you violate somebody else's copyright, they will sue you. It, like, if you don't stop, they will sue you in their court of jurisdiction that's relevant to them, and you have to show up and defend yourself. And you won't be going by yourself. You'll be going with an attorney that has spent 
thousands of dollars preparing or tens of thousands, you have to present yourself. It's not an option. It's not like that there's no consequence. And what a lot of big brands do is they know that. And you just don't want to act as if you can blow this stuff off. So you want to defend yourself, but you also want to be prepared and understand that other bigger brands can defend themselves and how that might play out in real consequence in your life and in your pocketbook and stuff like that. So there you go. So that's my uh, commentary on that one. Yeah, that's uh, all. Yeah, a lot of detail to absorb. But caution is advised. Let's put it this way. I, I think, and as you implied at the top of the show, it's really not an optional extra. It needs to be part and parcel of your sourcing mm -hmm. strategy, particularly if you're reselling, but any kind of strategy. One thing I just want to point out is that there is some good news amongst this with foreign operated or apparently foreign operated entities. So Alibaba is obviously a marketplace, to your point. It is easier to do with marketplaces. However, it is apparently a Chinese company, but of course it is floated on the New York Stock Exchange. So they will take IP challenges from America very seriously. And the commonest thing is people just simply product photos wholesale. So that's a copyright infringement. And especially if you're DMCA registered, if you get in touch with Alibaba, especially if you can just give them a registration number, they will normally take it down. So there's a bit of good news that, that internationally, you're not completely powerless. In marketplaces. Yeah, yeah, in right. marketplaces. Yeah. Okay. As you said, so What's action area? So action area number three is register your trademark. The particular reason you want to get it done if you're an Amazon seller is to be able to get brand registry accessed. And the reason that's important is because it makes it much easier to defend your intellectual property on Amazon and indeed to defend yourself against allegations of intellectual property strikes. So that's a really important reason to do it. Even if you're not on Amazon, of course, though, your trademark registration, again, to the points we've made, if you've been selling something called Boomer, it falls for 10 years. You've got a body of evidence out there in the Internet and indeed in people's homes if they printed off a PDF or something that you've been you know, trading under this name. And that gives you under common law some protection. But it's better to register it as well. So that it's, it's a simple matter of going click, click. Here's the registration number. If there's ever any challenge from a lawyer or you want to challenge somebody else, it's quick and simple to, to deal with that. So for all those reasons, you want to get the trademark sorted as soon as you can. Yeah, this is a tough one. And we can use that example just to play with. But the challenge most people have is what is a brand in my business? What is a legal item that I'm trying to defend or protect? And at what point do you do the registration process. That's really the, the heart and soul of the challenge for people who are creating products and product lines and uh, naming things, the original creation of work. And it is something to think through. And it, over time in your business, you just have to decide at what level you register items and at what level you say, I have intellectual property claim to this and it's sufficient. In that example, we could care less about having registered trademark because you know, that'll cost us a thousand bucks. And we have what you might call the law of the jungle usage, which is Google it and you'll see we own all the search engine results pages. And so in a way, it, you have to decide what matters to you and what you want to defend and yeah, what's not worth defending. And very it's true. really a mathematical question for every operator. And because sometimes we start little things and then they take off. I'm wearing a t-shirt for Three Esters Farm. That's a brand that we have for our, our ministry work in Zambia. And, and it's a cool brand. I like it. I got a logo off Fiverr for $5. And this is not a registered trademark. But if anybody started using it, I suppose I would have a problem. But so I've made those choices. I've made that, that logic in my mind, like when should I, what should I do? And then and, and at a point at which in my mind, I'm like, okay, I have a concern here. I, I definitely want to have this on the registered trademark list and go through that process. Mm -hmm. Then you do that work. Now, 
technically in the US, you can do that work yourself on like a legal Zoom or something like that. I yeah. always recommend to people that they they work with a real attorney and it'll probably cost you between $700 and $1,200. That's a going market rate, around a grand basically. And, and it might take six to 12 months. And the process is a couple stages. First, they'll do a, a search and inquiry and say, is this for the taking? And and they'll come back and say basically it with an opinion, yes, no, or maybe. And the yes, and usually they don't say yes. Usually they say no or maybe. But there's always something out there that's to some degree similar, usually. But that's why they're pros and they weave together what's right and by category and that kind of thing, as you mentioned. And then they go through the process of application. There's a period by which other companies can review and audit what's occurring in the registered trademark space. And there are companies that do this corporate lawyers that do this for their clients. And, and it can be reviewed by, by, you know, bigger companies. I've had that happen. Liberty of London is a big shop there in your neck of the woods. And uh, so they've interacted with us during a, a registered trademark process. And so that's, a, and then it clears that period of, of public review. And then you have claim to it. And then you have after five years, real bulletproof claim to it. So it's not a fast process, but, and again, I'm not an attorney. So go talk to your own attorney about how it works and research it yourself. But in general, it is important thing to think through when you want to do it, how you want to do it and uh, what rises to the occasion. And I would just say this too, if you're a creator and you've got a million ideas, you really want to think this through because it can become very expensive. And you want to think through your brand strategy. You're not spitting off new brands every 10 minutes because you really can end up with a lot of IP that you really should have uh, registered for defense, but it really creates a, a big expense. So anyway, yeah. those are just some reflections on this one. Yeah. I like that. So again, this is where intellectual property strategy or legal strategy is absolutely part and parcel of a bigger business strategy so number one value judgment is it worth defending this and if it isn't i would argue i'm not sure you should spend too much time and energy of any other kind on it either but if it is worth defending then you need to do it properly and as you said uh, if you really have anything worth defending it's worth doing with a lawyer in the uk it's a simple jurisdiction because you don't have state law english law we do have scottish laws different but kind of it's one unity so uh diy in the uk i think is a little bit less risky than the us i'm not mm -hmm. an attorney yeah. and i'm sure an attorney would tell you something different and it's a bit quicker it can happen in four months a very similar process it's less it's easier to get uk or copyright as i understand or trademark sorry i should say than it is in the us because in the us you have to actively there's active kind of interrogation of your idea by other lawyers whereas in the uk we don't get other lawyers involved unless they fancy it. so you just put out a public oh, notice yeah. on the tree saying hi mm -hmm. i want to apply for this prop just like you do with the property development here there's a notice that goes up most people don't bother reading it and then after a while it's okay we tick that box and you've got it so in the town square or whatever yeah. the <laughs> is exactly yeah. and the point is no, nobody's really that interested in the uk compared yeah. to the us but that doesn't mean you can't have problems yeah. the third thing i would say to your last point and this is why strategy meets the boring stuff of accounting and legal is this that if you have an accounting burden for example every time i do a transaction it's going to push up the transactions that my bookkeeper is going to charge me for if i go above a certain number even that mundane level every time i come up with an idea and i need to defend it it's going to cost me a visit to my lawyer it makes you realize that there is a sort of project cost to that whatever mm -hmm. that 70s book is to everything totally. you do and therefore being focused mm -hmm. is once again a strategy level decision that has other implications so if you have 10 million bits of ip none of which are worth very much you probably got a strategic problem 
and your yeah. IP strategy is just shining a light on the fact that you've got an overall approach problem that's not focused. Yeah. Totally. And that's why newbies to this space have to learn through the school of hard knocks. And sometimes yeah. if they're super creators, then and they don't understand any of this stuff, then after a couple of years, they're like, oh, I, I got to focus. I got to sort this out and prioritize and really create a valuable brand that I can use <laughs> as an umbrella. And because uh, there's just a lot of nuance here to your point about marketing and overall strategy in your business. Okay, let's keep going. I think action area four, which is register your IP with all possible authorities we've covered. We have, is, yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. It's just worth bearing in mind, to your point, you may, and then this is a thing where it might be cheaper to talk to a lawyer, but not go through the whole trademark application process. Mm -hmm. As you said, okay, Mr. Lawyer, let's go through, here's my evidence that I've collected. And by the way, you should really document this stuff of the boomer it falls being used for 10 years within our business. We clearly have a, a sort of prior claim to the usage of it as an identifier of our business. And you may find that you don't need to register. It's not always necessary, yeah. but it's always advisable. <laughs> you like that example a lot. I'll Respond to that. I'll respond to that comment then. Uh, I didn't care because honestly, Google it. That's my response. Hey, bro, Google mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I can't undo Google's algorithm. I'm not taking down YouTube videos and Pinterest pins and da 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 da. So, so that which yeah. doesn't really go against your main point. Yeah. Um, because I don't think you're necessarily planning to sell the business. Two points. You can get Google to take things down. I know this because there was a bit of a snafu recently with somebody who uh, runs some online. I'm not going to name him because of the snafu nature of it, but he runs online training. I'd interviewed him for the podcast and therefore I'd mentioned some of the concepts he mentioned on the podcast and put them in show notes. Then I got a cease and desist type letter from some corporate sort of le legal system that he's hired and they said we're going to take these results we're going to apply to google to get these results taken off google so that is actually a thing weirdly enough so i i now know this to my cost i got in touch with them immediately said dude this is a bit weird isn't it you actually got interviewed in my podcast and and you shared this stuff freely and they said i'm so sorry my my sort of legal team's got out of control here and he shut it down but the, so there can be issues the only other thing i'd say is um it may seem like a theoretical distinction and not worth spending time on unless you're going to sell the business, in which case it's really worth cleaning up because that's the kind of thing that if you've got a nervous buyer, their legal team might turn around and say, this is, uh, we're not comfortable with this. We're not going to buy the business. Hey folks, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The E-Commerce Leader. So today, obviously intellectual property, a bit of a spiky kind of area in our minds sometimes, isn't it? The, the law generally and intellectual property law in particular can sound complex, uninviting and something we just want to bury under the bury it bury the bad news sweep it under the rug etc unfortunately it is something we have to grasp in an active digital environment i've got to say that for those who are focused on amazon particularly it's something you've got to deal with and deal with early the good news is if you delete you won't have a more valuable business more defensible and the uh, money streams that you like are uh, going to be more stable. Plus, if you try and sell those income streams, i.e. sell your business in the future, I can promise you that if you don't get this stuff sorted out, it's really going to get in the way of a sale. I've seen that personally with some of my clients. Fortunately, it's not as hard to deal with as you might think. You need to educate yourself, and that's where we come in. So today, the basics of what we've covered. First of all, what are the threats against which we need to defend? Trademarks, the best known. Copyrights, which is probably the easiest sort of form of defense you can use and patents which are more expensive than the other things and take more time but the good old design patent is really the answer a utility patent is as expensive and hard to do as you would traditionally perhaps think but a design patent can be yours for a couple of thousand dollars and maybe a year of work 
The most common types of uh, attacks I see are copyright infringement on Amazon, design patent infringements by Chinese factories if you're manufacturing abroad, trademark infringement, less common, but it means if you don't get your trademark, you don't have brand registry on Amazon, and that's what I'm most of, but there are other equivalents, and also spurious or unfounded allegations against you on any of the above points. So if you get this sorted, your business is going to be uh, much safer to run so don't bury your head in the sand is my advice. Let's uh, grasp this nettle and get yourself a good attorney as well or lawyer. If you've enjoyed today's show, you can find out some more details on theecommerceleader.com to get some show notes and uh, some details, some links mentioned today. And as we mentioned, we're going to be on the call-in app every single Tuesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern or 4 p.m. UK time. And we have our hot takes with Chris Green, who's a master of many things, Amazon-centered uh, Kyle Hamer, who is Jason's uh, business partner and also a very smart e-commerce operator in his own right, a very successful Amazon custom product seller. And of course, Jason Miles and myself, Michael Vesey. So if you want to join us live there, we are blowing up in popularity. We, are, we got to about number seven in the education categories there. And also we've sort of 10x our downloads recently of people who are watching us. So do come and join us there. The call-in app, C-A-L-I-N for November on your iPhone. Thanks for listening and stay working on your business to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.